Good morning, family. There's a couple of things I just uh, want to uh, address before we get into uh, the message this morning. Obviously, um, the, what's going on right now in Ukraine is just a horrible, horrible thing. And, uh, and we, I, I know we've all been praying and praying that God would, would break that. And we're going to pray in a minute. Just, um, we, we just need to add our voices to the millions that are calling out to God at this time. Ukraine is um, strategic, actually, in the kingdom of God. And it really makes sense why the enemy would take advantage and try to uh, bring destruction. Because it is the number one Christian missionary sending nation in that region. And there is a real move of God and has been in Ukraine. And, uh, and we, have a, we, have a, um, uh, uh, we have a force where presence in, in Ukraine. There's, um, in fact, the president of the Foursquare Church in Ukraine, um, Dmitry Mason, is there, and, uh, and as well as the pastors and many of the congregations uh, that are there in Ukraine. And uh, so we need to lift them up in prayer. And uh, just, um, and, and all, all the believers, you know, of were, just there's so many that are calling out to the Lord. And I've seen that there were, um, there's been some posts that have been pretty amazing where people are gathered together and the Christians are singing while people are passing. They're worshiping the Lord and uh, proclaiming the message of Christ. And uh, it just breaks your heart for them right now what they're going through. And uh, so we need to pray for them. You know, there's another side too. It's not a side of the equation. Um, I believe that there's a madman trying to, um, you know, d- has no regard for human life, has uh, been, been uh, perpetrating this. But there are Russians who are believers too. And some of those are even soldiers that have been in the army having no idea where they were headed and no idea what's going on. And now they're subject to a, uh, a, a situation as well in their lives, and, uh, and in, in, uh, in uh, Russia, there's, there are believers, and uh, we, we want to lift up the believers on, you know, no matter who they are, but we also want to lift and say to, um, you know, we, we want to ask God to cut, to cut off Mr. Putin, and uh, in Jesus' name. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can bring our voices to you and know that, God, you hear us. You said if, that, that if we ask anything according to your will, we know you hear us and we have the petition that we ask of you. And so corporately, Lord, we are lifting up our voice on behalf of, Lord, um, a nation, Ukraine, and, uh, and, a, and a, a, a people, Lord God, your people, that are both in that country and in Russia. And God, we ask for your covering and your protection. We pray, Lord, that the kingdom will be established in greater ways, even during this, Lord, upheaval and this evil and this death and mayhem, that somehow the name of Jesus will be, Lord, lifted up in ways that could not have been in any other situation. And, Lord, you'll take advantage of this moment, Lord, and the church will take advantage of this moment to see many, many souls come into the kingdom. We ask, God, that you would just... Lord, guide them and bless them. And that, Lord, all the provisions will be made, Lord God, on their behalf. That, Lord, you will protect and cover them and bless them, Lord God, mightily. 
And then, Lord, we pray for this man who is at the top, who is perpetrating, who, ha- who walks with this power and takes advantage. Lord, we pray that, Lord God, you would cut him off, as your word says. Lord, cut him off from that. Lord, take him out of the situation. Take him out, however, Lord, you would do that, to stop this continual bombardment, this war, Lord. Stop it, I pray, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do, do want to make, um, well, we're not working? Uh, I'm cracking? I didn't know I was cracking. Am I cracking now? Do we have to do this? No other way. Okay. We will do this. Um, if you would like to give, I know there's a lot of good missionary um, uh, places to give, but I know one thing is uh, Foursquare, at least uh, all the money will go to the field. So if you want to give to our Foursquare missions, and uh, then, uh, then you can go on our website or our push pay and uh, go to missions, and then on the memo, put Ukraine if you want to give that way, or you can do it by check or what have you. So if you'd like to give... Um, just we want to give you that kind of direction. Uh, by the way, um, well, I'll talk about this A- another time. We'll talk about Russia and Bible prophecy, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll give it a break right now. Would you pray with me also? I pray, Lord, that you would help me as uh, I Lord deliver your word today. I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord. Father, I pray in with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. Let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And today we're beginning the, this week and next week, we're going to talk about what the Holy D- Spirit does through us. And in order to do that, I want to give you some, well, we're going to go through Scripture really rapidly. This is, the, this is what we're, I'm going to give you uh, verse after verse, and what I want to do is develop patterns. I want you to see a pattern in the scripture as we talk about the Holy Spirit. And what I want to ask you to do is if you could lay aside everything that you have, you know, been pre-taught on the subject, not, not throw it away, obviously it's very important, but while we're doing this, instead of, as we're going through, where you might come to places where you go, yeah, but, you know that, that those times, yeah, but, um, put that aside for it until we get to the end, and then you can have all your yeah, buts. But let's see if we don't answer some of those before we, you know, before we get there. And let's take a look at what I want to do, is I want to look at um, the way the Bible descri- uh, describes the Holy Spirit affecting or coming in a person's life. And the, the, the Bible describes it in several different ways in the Old Testament and in the New. The, the word spirit, um, not always referring to the Holy Spirit, but the word spirit is found over 300, uh, 300, times, over 300 times in the New Testament, over 200 times in the Old Testament. And as you go through there, what you discover is the interaction between the Holy Spirit and human beings. 
And, um, and, and then there's all kinds, most of the description is what the Holy Spirit actually does, what he's doing, what he's saying. Those are the things that are the majority. But then you have these times when the Holy Spirit actually comes and in a power moment in an individual's life. And so we want to take a look at that. For instance, and you see the wording, the, the, the word that is used often is filled with the Spirit. That's the one that you'll find the majority in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, the word, the, the description of being filled with the Spirit only happens three times, and it happens in the book of Exodus. And it happened whenever, um, when God was asking them to build the tabernacle, and he gave them a description, and then he filled with the Spirit artisans and, um, and, and workmen to do the work. See, so, and, and so the artisans, and the, it wasn't the preachers, it wasn't the prophets, that it said, it describes it this way, it was the, the people who work with their hands. And, he, and God filled them with the Spirit. For instance, in Exodus 31, it's an example, verse 2 and 3, it says, See, I have called the name of Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, to, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. You see, so he was, he was someone, he, this is kind of like an architect, right? And he's given him all that he needs to work. So whatever you do, if you're a mechanic, you, you think it, only the preachers get to be filled with the Spirit? No, no. Wherever you are in your life, and, and God will use what you have and what you give to him. And he'll fill you with the Spirit for that work. And I think that's one of the things that, that we, we get in that. Uh, another way in which it's described is where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit fell upon them. Actually, that in the Old Testament, it's only one time. In Ezekiel, where it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, Ezekiel says, and said to me, speak, and thus says the Lord, thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. So um, God was speaking through Ezekiel, and the, and the way it's described is a spirit fell upon. So you have the spirit filled, and the spirit fell upon. Because sometimes you'll hear that like the only way that God did it in the Old Testament was that the spirit filled. Fall, fell upon them. But you see here also that the Spirit filled them, right? You see that? And then uh, uh, one, one, uh, two times it's described as rested upon in the Old Testament. It says in Numbers 11.25, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and, and took uh, of the Spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the uh, 70 elders. This is where Moses... God was helping Moses in his need. He was overwhelmed, and there were appointed 70 elders to do the work that Moses was doing. And uh, it happened when the Spirit, listen to this, rested upon them. So it describes it that the Spirit was upon them, upon, uh, upon Moses, but then the Spirit rested upon them. And they prophesied. So when the Spirit... Now, this is what's interesting, as you'll see, as the Spirit is resting, different things would happen. And one of the things that happened in this time, there were 70 of them, and they all started prophesying. But there's an interesting phrase here at the end that it says, 
but they never, though they never did so again. So a one-time thing for them, they got, they, the Spirit of God rusted upon them, and then they never prophesied. They prophesied just one time. Okay? Now, in, um, in verse 26 of Numbers 11, it says, But two men had remained in the camp, and the name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. Now, they were among those listed, but who had not gone out into the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in camp. Now, you see this. I'm going to see this, this frequency that, that the, when the Holy Spirit had come upon them or whatever, it, how it describes it, they prophesied. There was something, you know, th- not every time, but I just want you to see the frequency of that that specific thing happening when the Spirit came upon them, that they prophesied. In verse 29 of the same chapter, it says, And Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake, or that all the, uh, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord put his Spirit upon them? So you see, he makes this connection between them prophesying, being prophets, and the Spirit of God coming upon them. Now, 18, we're not going to read all of them, but 18 times the scripture described, the description of the Holy Spirit coming was the word that the scripture says they, the Holy Spirit came upon. So, okay, you know, rested upon, fell upon, came upon in the, in the but what, I want you to notice there's one thing that's absent in the Old Testament. It surprised me. It does not describe it. I mean, people were obviously led by the Spirit, but it never describes that a person in the Old Testament was actually led by the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Now, now obviously, that, that happened, but it just doesn't describe it that way. And in the New Testament, that is a frequent description um, of what the work of the Holy Spirit has done. Now, let me, let me go back. Now, in the New Testament, I want to go back to when it all started. Okay, because something different took place in the New Covenant and, and when that all started. It, it, it goes back to the, before uh, Jesus was to be baptized. And John the Baptist in chapter 1 of Mark and, uh, and the other Gospels too, um, it says in uh, chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, in, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the first time that that term is used. We have the others, but this term is, only, is used for the very first time before Jesus started his ministry and was baptized in water. So when he came to John, John looked out and said, that's the one, I baptized in water, John says, but that one, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with, everybody say with, Okay, it's, it's baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so this term, baptize or immersed, it's an immersion uh, uh, word that is used in the, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's the only time uh, it starts here talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then uh, if you look in, in chapter... Uh, Matthew uh, 3, verse 16. 
It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. So it, was, it doesn't mean that the Spirit looked like a dove. I mean, we do a lot of that. We have a lot of dove. It, it descending like a dove. Okay, so there's how would a dove descend? It would, you know, there'd be this, there'd be this, this uh, soft descending, that that the spirit of God is descending, uh, like a dove and alighting upon him. So the 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 spirit of God came up. What, what happened to Jesus? What happened? What did the spirit do? Came upon him, alighting upon him, and then. And then in chapter 4 of Luke in verse 1, the next thing happens in Jesus being filled with the Spirit. So what you have is the Holy Spirit come upon him. We also know that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Okay, he was led or driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Uh, but, but then now the next description of what's happened with Jesus is it says Jesus being Filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay? So he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and now he is led by the Spirit. Okay? That, that terminology. Now, in uh, chapter 7, verse 37, it says, on the last day, G- this is Jesus speaking, right? He's proclaiming. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out, cried out. This is, he, he's letting it, he's... He's preaching it, right? He's cr- it's cried out. He's cried out, it says. And, uh, and, and, he, and he said, uh, if anyone thirsts, anybody thirsty today? Let him come to me and drink, Jesus says. He believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of of living water, rivers of living water. Now, this rivers of living water, it says, notice it says, if he comes to him and he believes, notice it says, believes in me. That, that's a criteria for these rivers of living water. The criteria is, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke, what? Concerning the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would, here's the term, listen, I'm what I'm showing you is all these terms are interchangeable, being filled with the Spirit, being Spirit of God overflowing. I'm going to see this, I want you to see this interchangeability here. Uh, it says, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Now, Jesus had the Holy Spirit. We, we, he, he's filled with the Spirit, and yet he's saying the Holy Spirit has not yet been given. We see in the Old Testament, people were filled with the Spirit, and they had the Spirit come upon them, and they had the Spirit in them. They were filled with the Spirit. But Jesus is saying here the Spirit had not. So there is a distinction about what the Holy Spirit will do, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do when the Holy Spirit is given that Jesus was referring to is out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So you wouldn't, in, in, you wouldn't expect that to happen until then. There, there was a case where Jesus sent out 70 to go out and do miracles. And, 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 and they did in his name. They came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject in your name. 
So they sent, were sent out with his name, and they did miracles, and powerful things happened, and you would assume the Holy Spirit was very much involved in that hap- happening, it, although it doesn't actually refer to the Holy Spirit in that, in that context. But the point simply is that there were these moves of God, and yet Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit has not yet, yet been given because he's referring to something that would happen in the future. In fact, he tells us when it would happen. It says, the scripture says, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When would Jesus be glorified? Well, when he ascended. You see, that's when he would be glorified. And until then, right, that, so he would be glorified, and then what? The Holy Spirit would be given. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost as, after when Jesus was glorified. Now, um, it's important because the, ne- the, next, the next verse that we look at, but Verse 20 of, chapter, of John chapter 20, verse 22, I should say. Um, this is, a, the, I'll tell you, um, theologians and uh, commentators uh, struggle with this because uh, it doesn't fit oftentimes in the scenario, but it's in the Bible. And it says this, it says, and when he had said this, he was talking to the disciples. It says, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to, to understand the timing of this. This was before Jesus went to the cross, right? Before the Holy Spirit was given. This is, this is I'm sorry, not before he went to the cross, but before he uh, ascended. And, uh, and before um, the Holy Spirit was given, the, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the fact that it says he breathed on them, you were ex- you're expecting that something happened when that took place. You, it isn't like he's just saying, listen, um, uh, receive the Holy Spirit in 50 days or so. He's not saying that. that. That's not what that is about. He breathed on them. You know, the, the, the word breath in, in, the, in the Greek and spirit are the same word. And when he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What would you suspect that happened when he said, receive the Holy Spirit? They received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't what Jesus had talked about would happen. This is, that, there's more happening. So, they received the Holy Spirit. In, In that they received the Holy Spirit, it tells us this, that you can receive the Holy Spirit before that thing that's going to happen on the day of Pentecost happens. You, you can have that before. And I would say that you actually do have that, and you can have it on the same day. But and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Then we get to um, Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from... Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So this, now he's telling them, go to Jerusalem, you're going to have a prayer meeting, you're going to have a praise time, you're going to have, you know, you're going to be sharing. That's what they did. And, uh, and they stayed there. And then in verse 5 it says, uh, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So what is the term that Jesus used when he said to wait and what is going to happen to them? What's going to happen on that day is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to happen on the day they're going to be baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which are the, uh, the, the Father has put in his own authority. So they, they got kind of sidetracked. Jesus wants them to be focused. Okay? Focus, focus, focus. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Isn't it? See, now, at one point he says here, you're going to receive the baptism. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then, referring to that same event, he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You see that? They're the same. Being baptized with the Spirit and the Holy Spirit come upon you. And, of course, the, the benefit of what happens out of that, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Well, Verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, because Jesus told them to be there and pray. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And so it, this, this event, this, this rushing wind filled the place. Oh, that sounds good. Yes, come fill us, Lord. It filled the place. And, um, and then there appeared from them divided tongues as fire and sat upon each of them, and they were, what? Filled. See the language again? I'm just taking you to baptize, um, come upon you, filled. All three of those are used for the same event that happens. They're, 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 we, we oftentimes will make a distinction, but that's not biblical uh, interpretation here, this biblical language that is being used here. Now, of all the times that people were filled, the Holy Spirit fell upon, and all of that, this is the first time anyone spoke in tongues. The very first time that someone spoke in tongues that we know of. It, it's the first time it's described. That's, that we could go at least that far. Never described anyone speaking in tongues until this time. And, uh, and they all spoke with tongues. And, um, I mean, the mother of Jesus, right, is there. She's speaking in tongues. Mary's speaking in tongues. Can you just kind of imagine that? Mary speaking in tongues. And, and all the disciples and all the followers and, and uh, all, the, all the friends, the 120, all of them, they're in that upper room, and this happens, and they're all speaking in tongues. Something happens, and this, I want you to make a connection between the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and something that seems to happen very frequently. I just call it the, the um, overflow valve. The overflow valve is the mouth. They're prophesying, you know, they're speaking in tongues. It seems like when this overflow happens, maybe it's what Jesus referred to, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, that this overflow seems to more than not be 
prophesying, proclaiming, preaching, that, that's also part of the outflow of this event in, in people's lives when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they, well, they get so filled up sometimes they just overflow. And I can tell you an event that happened in my life from personal experience is when I, I got saved one week, the next week, um, the pastor just got up. You've, some, many of you heard this story, and uh, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about, about you know, anything. And I heard the gospel for the first time, and I was ready because it just sounded wonderful. And I said yes, and I, I really believe the Lord was working on me for a long time before I got there. But um, the very next week, the pastor had said, listen, uh, you can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, um, the theology... A little bit different than I, I, I see it now, uh, but, but the point or the experience was very, very real. And, um, and he had said, uh, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit if you want, and it's free. And I said, well, if it's free, it sounds good. Um, you know, I, I didn't know it cost me so much. Uh, he lied. Being subject to the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit costs you but in different ways. And so I came, and my experience was um, the, there was an elderly lady standing there to, to pray for me, or whoever, and there's different people praying, and I walked up to her. She seemed harmless, and uh, she wasn't, though. And she just laid hands on me, and I felt the power as we were worshiping. I felt the power of God so, so much so that it kind of, kind of I don't know, just kind of this feeling of I was just weak under it. That's my experience. And no one told me. I, I, you cannot say my experience was because somebody talked you into it or they emotionally got you into it. There was nothing of that. All I, I was told is that you can receive the Holy Spirit, and I didn't even know. I knew that the Holy Spirit, I, growing up Catholic, was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the most I knew. And, uh, and so when I came down and she t- touched me and I had that, powerful experience it was not something i had experienced before and no one told me i was going to have it so you you know and then as i was just in that moment worshiping all of a sudden it was like almost it wasn't me but i was speaking in a language i had never spoken i mean i think it was a language it was just i was speaking gibberish to me okay and it was coming out and it wasn't something that i was informed of i didn't know what it was i never ever heard anybody speak in tongues before it was a first experience and all it was was i can say it this i was being filled up and i had uh, a release valve and the release valve for me was the outpouring of the spirit and i was speaking out of my spirit as as i as i study it further that my spirit was praying with the holy spirit praying through me and i was speaking unto god that was my moment of experiencing what I believe they experienced on the day of Pentecost. And, uh, and then the scripture gives a description of that. Um, and uh, it, it, it talks about, in fact, Peter, um, uh, you know, the, the, the explanation is that the disciples then go out and they're praying in tongues, they're speaking in tongues, and people are there from all over because they're there for the, the Feast of Pentecost, right? 
and they've traveled from different countries, and they speak different languages. They're Jews, but they are Jews that live in different countries, and they've all gathered together for this, uh, this celebration. And as they're speaking, this is how it describes it in verse 11 of chapter 2. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So what they were speaking was in some ways glorifying God. People were hearing them in their own language. Now, there's a debate that cannot be, I don't think you can, uh, you can have proof either way. The debate is this. Were the people speaking, speaking in a language, a different language, and so like you have someone here speaking German and someone here speaking, you know, uh, French and someone here speaking a different language, was it that? And so the people who understood, you know, French, uh, understood, you know, there, or was it that this person is speaking and the miracle is happening in the hearing that this person is speaking in tongues, and this person is hearing it in French, this person is hearing it in German, this her person is hear hearing it. What, you can argue it, but you can't, you, you, no one can tell me for sure. You, you cannot know for sure what they were. Now, because they're speaking in tongues, um, the assumption is that they're speaking in a language that is a well-known, well maybe a known language, not well-known, but maybe a known language. But there's also support to the fact that they're not speaking a language that is a well-known language. And we'll get to that in, in, in a minute. That, in fact, that what they're speaking maybe is more of a language that is not known. Maybe it's not an earthly language. Maybe it's a, a language that has been forgotten. Or, as some would say, it, maybe it's a heavenly language. Because though you speak in, with tongues of men and of angels. So well, you know, there's an argument to be made, and it's, it, it's a foolish argument in some ways because it really doesn't make that matter. What matters is that they were doing something they'd never done before. It happened on the day that Jesus had said was going to happen when he would pour out his spirit and his spirit would fall upon them and they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what, was, what it was about. And so then you see it says in chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, chapter 4 is two chapters later. Peter has already been filled with the Holy Spirit. The church has been starting to get persecuted. They're starting to rail against them. They gather together for a prayer meeting. And while they're gathered together for a prayer meeting, it says in verse 8 that Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people, the elders of Israel. Now, down further in verse 31, it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all, they were all filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. What is it saying here they're filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 4? How could that happen? Well, I think there's a point to be made there. And you see that happening many times of the group and individually. That this encounter that they had on the day of Pentecost was not a one-time event for them. That this was something that was to be happening in their lives 
ongoing. And so, in fact, so much that the scripture describes our life as walking in the spirit. You can walk in the spirit or you can walk in the flesh. And if you walk in the spirit, that's a choice, right? It's, he, 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 when, when that is brought to bear, and when it's talked about in the book of Romans, he's talking to believers who would be making a choice. Am I going to walk in the spirit? I'm going to walk in the flesh. And so spirit-filled living, you see what it looks like and, and how, it, how it, it, it is expressed. The events, and, and in, in this, we're, we're talking, we're bringing up tongues. You can't get around it. It's the elephant in the room. When you're, when you're looking at the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you see this event. You see speaking in tongues. And I want you to, and, 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 uh, and so I'm actually going to kind of focus on that today. We rarely do, but I, I want to because I want you to see something in this connection. And um, for instance, later on, you know, when, when all these Jews are, you know, getting saved and so forth, what about the Gentiles? Well, there was this Italian. Italians are always, uh, I, I don't know how to say what Italians are, but I'm proud of Cornelius, so let's put it that way. He, he's a, he, he, um, Cornelius, um, of course, has this, you know, God gives him uh, uh, a, a, a direction to contact Peter, and and Peter comes, and Cornelius has his family there. They're a group of of Gentiles, and Peter shows up. Many of you already know this story, and uh, and Peter, you know, the Lord pulls Peter there. Okay, Peter doesn't want to go. He didn't. They're Gentiles. I don't. You don't go into Gentiles' house. You don't talk to Gentiles, but God does. And so Peter goes and Peter starts to preach to them the gospel. And as he's talking to them, and the scripture says about Peter, he's filled with the spirit. And uh, in verse 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Holy Spirit, but while he's preaching, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, that's the Jews, as, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. So the Holy Spirit, how many are happy about that? I know some of you Jews don't care, but we're really happy. <laughs> right? So the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, upon all those who had heard heard the word, and they and then an interesting thing happened, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So how they knew the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them was they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. Those those two descriptions was there them. In, in both of these occasions, and some would say, well, it's a, it, it is an initiating occasion, so that's the only reason why tongues happened. Um, I, would, I would push back on that because it's not the only time. And when we see that not only in the scripture, we see that that happened in, in other times as well. But what is 
important to notice that in both of those occasions, everyone spoke in tongues. In the 120 in the upper room, and, and the, the way it's described oftentimes about speaking in tongues is some people have the gift and some people don't have the gift. And what you'll, you see is if that's the case, then you would have to say that all 120 in the upper room had the gift. And you would have to say that all those at Cornelius' house had the gift. So there wasn't really much of a, uh, you know, much of distinguishing of different gifts in those groups. That those groups, you'd have to say that they all, everybody in that group, just had to have had the gift of the of tongues. And I, I, what we'll look at is. There are, there are diversities of gifts, and there are the different ways, and the scripture does say that not all speak in tongues, but I want to put that in context, and we'll take a look at that in a minute. But So they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God, and verse 47, he says, Can anyone forbid water that these, uh, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now, I want to note, you to notice about this. That you, I want you to see that the preaching came, they believed, Holy Spirit fell upon them, then they were baptized. Okay? That is not always the pattern. In other words, the pattern isn't lock solid. It isn't always the same. You have to give, you have to give way for the pattern to have different ways in which it happens. Um, and so... Um, Peter recounting this event, I want you to notice his wording. G Peter is now talking to the disciples how these Gentiles got saved and filled the Spirit. And he says in verse 16, When I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter is saying while he's preaching, and this was happening, he's reminded of what, Jesus, what John said about Jesus, and what Jesus said, and he uses that term. So what happened to the, 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 the Gentiles on that day in Cornelius' house is they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. I, 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 um, we are, we come from, our church comes from a Pentecostal background. And, uh, and has strongly been influenced by the charismatic movement. And you say, yeah, what, who? And uh, the, the, the Pentecostal movement, um, I'm not going to get into history, um, but in the Pentecostal movement, um, the Pentecostal movement started with the full belief that the only way that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and for it to be known was that you spoke in tongues. That, that, that's the Pentecostal perspective. In fact, if you don't speak in tongues, you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you can see that that doesn't always fit here as we're, we're walking. The charismatic concept is that it is not the initial evidence, but it is a initial evidence. And in fact, um, what we know, even 
We, we can go back to the Great Awakening when there was powerful moves of God and people were having Holy Spirit, definitely Holy Spirit type um, uh, experiences, radical, you would call them Pentecostal, and no one was speaking in tongues. But people were prophesying, people were overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. So the Pentecostal movement as we know it that started in, you know, 1904, 05, somewhere along that, Azusa Street Revival, that's when it's, it, it's timed. Um, the move of God has been happening way before then. And then there was, there was this breakout, if you would, of, uh, of speaking in tongues. And I believe it was God-led, Holy Spirit-led. And by the way, since then, those who believe in the full Pentecostal experience, or the, the, it, it's, uh, it numbers over 500 million. It is not only the fastest growing segment of Christianity, it is becoming the largest segment, if it isn't already, the largest segment of evangelical uh, Christianity and, and, uh, in the world. And, uh, or Protestant, Protestantism in, in the world. So um, there is a powerful move as people are discovering that the gifts and all that God had said were available are still available today. And, and so, I, and, and, and the, 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 the fact is that not all of us walk down the street and our shadow causes healing does not mean that the power of God isn't still available and isn't still happening at some, at some level and is available in our lives. And this is what I've discovered, that the supernatural happens more with people who believe in it. That's just the way it works. If, if you don't believe, you won't see it. You know, or you might, but you might not even... You might not even notice it, but when you believe it, you're ha that expectancy is changes your life and changes the way you pray. And so you have an expectancy for the supernatural to happen, and um, and in some ele elements of of the Christian community um, that doesn't believe in um, in this seg in this. Uh, reflection of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues or prophecy or any of those gifts, those verbal gifts or so forth, uh, they, many of them still do believe in miracles, but some don't. So they're, they're, the age of miracles, you know, in, in some people's idea has stopped, and it hasn't. And there's plenty of, of, of good writers who've done their, 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 their history of it. And I'm running out of time, so let me move on. Um, Paul the Apostle, whose much of our writings are on, on the work of the Holy Spirit in tongues and, and that element of it, um, he had a conversion. It's an interesting conversion when he was, you know, knocked off his horse and, and, uh, and the Lord spoke to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul's blinded, he's waiting, Ananias comes. It says in verse 17 of chapter 9, Ananias, the Lord talked Ananias into going to talking to him. says, Lord, I don't want to go talk to that guy. He kills people. And uh, he says, no, he's one of us now. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. So he, he identified him as a believer. You're already a believer. He, he, I think he believed that Saul was already a believer. 
And he says, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is your time. Now, when you receive the Holy Spirit, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Or should I say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit when you receive the Spirit of salvation? Are you, or are you filled with the Spirit in a secondary uh, experience with the Holy Spirit? Which one is it? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And, and this is what you see. Now, the, the, I don't go too much further in this, but the, the, the situation with, um, with the apostles coming to Samaria and, uh, and preaching to them, and they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, and they asked them if you would receive the Holy Spirit since you believed. They, they didn't even know that. And, um, and so um, they laid hands on them, and uh, it, the scripture says um, they received the Holy Spirit. There was a guy named Simon there. He was a sorcerer. He saw what was going on. He saw, and this is how it describes it in chapter 8 of verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. The key word here is saw. What did he see? They had gotten saved. They, they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. If, if nothing happened, how would he know? What was he seeing? He said he, he saw something. The apostle Paul, he had the Holy Spirit. Ananias prayed for him. Now, with Paul... We don't know what happened at that moment, but we do know Paul spoke in tongues. In fact, he described it this way, I am glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, why would he say that if all of us weren't supposed to? Why, why would you say that, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you, if, if you're not supposed to, if it's only for a few people? And I want, I want to, to make a distinction between, because I don't have time to go into it today, but uh, in the 14th chapter of the book of Corinthians, it gives us, there's a church that has gone sideways with the gifts. They've overdone it. They've, they've, they've messed up. And they were so concerned about tongues and all of that and the gift of the Spirit and, and church, and they were they get up and everybody was you know, like stand up, start speaking in tongues, and another one stand up, speak in tongues, and another one stand up, speak in tongues, you know, and prophesy, and it's just wild. And uh, and Paul writes and he says, "Listen, you guys, if if a poor unbeliever walks in, when you're doing that, they're going to go away saying you're crazy. What what are you doing?" He says, "There needs to be some order here." Some, you know, in the way that, that, that you're functioning. And he gives direction both to, and gives information or understanding both of the private element of the work of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life and the public element of it. 
And that's what I want to, you to see, that there's a private element of the fullness of the Holy Spirit and when there becomes, in fact, the, this, um, the, I, I would say this, touch with the power of God in a way that brings you into the realm of understanding, I, I would say, into the realm of openness. Because I, I don't, I, I think that why God chose tongues as, an, as, as in so many places as initial work is because it doesn't make any sense at all. I think that actually is the reason. Because I can't just give, I mean, when, when that, that happens, there's an element of faith. I'm walking in an element of faith, do I believe in the supernatural? And I, I think that's an entry point. And I've seen people as they experience the fullness of the Spirit in one way or the other. And I'm not describing that the only way is tongues. I'm not saying that. I believe that there are many powerful, some of the most powerful people in church history were so filled with the Spirit, and there's no evidence that they ever spoke in tongues. So I, I think the description, but I believe that when, it, this is what happens oftentimes when a person enters into that place, all of a sudden a whole realm is open to them in faith. It, it's like this happened and God and that's what happened for me. I ne never doubted because after that experience, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that I had an expectation that was way up here, way up here. I, I, had, I knew, you know, God had done something, and I, could, I was believing God for anything. And I was telling everybody, they're going to get saved. You're going to get saved. I tell my parents that. My dad almost kicked me out of the house. Dad, you're going to get saved. He told me, if I see that Bible open anymore, you're out of here. Now he got saved. But there was a high expectation. People were, for the miraculous, miracles, those kinds of things became part of, just part of my life because of that. And, uh, and so um, I'm going to have to end before I finish this, but I do want to say this to you. I really believe that all the gifts are available to all of us. There are some gifts I have never experienced. But I still believe that they're available. Does that mean they're not? I don't know that there's anything that tells me that they're not available to me. And so um, this one gift, um, all of them spoke in tongues. So this is what I say to you, and if you kind of put aside any you know, preconceived thoughts on this, this is what I say to you. Be open. Because I've had people say, well, I prayed. Man, I prayed for years. I, I had this one guy walk, come into my office, and he was talk, we were talking about this. I don't know how we got on the subject. He says, oh, I prayed for 10 years. never happened. Okay, did other things happen? Yeah. He's really a solid believer. I've been seeking never. I said, well, don't quit. I don't know why. I, I don't think that there needs to be, a, you know, a full understanding of what goes on. But I've seen people at different points with different things happen in their life that brought them to a place where they were able to experience that in their life. And I know 
great men and women of God never experienced that. There, there's not a hierarchy in this. This is kind of ridiculous when people put it in that category. But I would just say to you, and we're, we're faced with it in this text. You can't get around this. Are we just going to ignore these things? You can't ignore these things in the Scripture. And it's real. And I'll tell you, the Bible says it causes the weary to rest. There is a, there is a, there is a benefit to the gift that is phenomenal. I, as I get older, I speak in tongues and pray in tongues more than ever. I pray in tongues way more than I used to when I first got started. And what I found is I found such a benefit in it. I found that the Bible says you edify yourself. I've seen people actually put it down. So you see, you're all about yourself because you want to be edified. No. Well, it, the, it's a gift. <laughs> okay, I do. <laughs> doesn't mean I don't want to serve others too. I want to do that too. But so there's a benefit in it. And so um, you, you don't have to give up on it. It doesn't have to be your main pursuit anyhow. What is the main pursuit? To be filled with the Spirit. That's the main pursuit. You know? To follow the Lord. To follow the Spirit of the Lord. To let God guide us. That's the main pursuit. But um, wouldn't it be nice to just have something extra? I don't want to put it in a... Minim minimize that. It's pretty big. It's pretty great. I just tell you I love it. It's a great gift. When I don't know what to pray, now you might think I'm crazy, but I think I have a biblical foundation for it. And so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to, to stand, and, uh, and since I'm overtime, Tip is gonna is going to um, just kind of lead us in, in worship. The Bible says, "Be filled with the Spirit, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and making melody in the heart to the Lord." What is that? As you're worshiping the Lord, as you're praising God, you are inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting God to fill. He fills the praises of His people. That's what God does. And so oftentimes that's when the most happens in our life is when we're gathered together and we're worshiping the Lord and we're focused and we get, we get lost in him. Um, but we also want to give opportunity today and uh, for anybody who would want to be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to come up to do that, but we're going to make it available. And we have some people who are willing to do that to pray with you and have been, you know, talked to to, pr to do this. And so um, we're just going to ask them to come forward. And if you are, you're, you're one of that, in that group that, that are just going to be up here. And if anyone would like prayer, now listen, we're not limiting our prayer to being filled with the Holy Spirit. No limitations here. You need prayer for healing or you need prayer for, for strength or you need prayer for, you know, deliverance, you need prayer for anything, as we're, we're, we're opening this up, I want to invite you to come down. If you want prayer here. But we can also, right where you are, just say, Lord, because one of the things Jesus said very clearly in Luke chapter 11, he says, if you are an earthly father, you know how to give good gifts.